Welcome to Aging in Place Strategies and Answers with Linda Prio. Will it be possible to remain in my home as I age? Do I feel safe in my home? How do I figure out how much support I will need when my health needs start to change? What if I decide to move into a community instead? Which community will meet my needs now and in the future? Who will play a role in helping me with decision-making? Do you ask yourself these same questions? Aging in Place Strategies and Answers can help you gain practical knowledge that will help you create your own Aging in Place Roadmap. If you are already a care partner, a power of attorney, or in crisis mode with your Aging in Place strategy, you will learn what you need to know that you don't know. For over 20 years, I have been marketing Aging in Place services to clients and educating families and healthcare professionals in how to put aging in place strategies into place. When you utilize aging in place, you are allowed to choose where you want to live and make those decisions so that you can retain your quality of life. Welcome back to Aging in Place, Strategies and Answers with Linda Prio. In the previous podcast, I exposed you to some new terminology, and I want to review that with you now. Many of you might be thinking, this sounds just like school. And in actuality, it almost needs to be like school because these are terms that you're going to want to know because they're going to be valuable to you as you navigate healthcare personally or with someone you are taking care of. So we're going to review some terms, get comfortable with them, get to understand what I'm talking about when I'm using them so that we're all on the same page. One of the first terms I use, and obviously it is the title of this podcast, is aging in place. And that was a term that I had never heard of. Maybe some of you have, but back in 2005, that was certainly new to me. But remember, I was coming in to this field with no prior knowledge. But I also know what I know. And that is that a lot of people didn't know what that terminology meant. So we're definitely going to spend some time defining what it is and definitely what it is not. The next term that I want to review with you is called medical home health. And that was one of the services that we offered at the first company that I worked for. Medical home health can be provided at home or it can be provided within an independent living or assisted living community. It is Medicare covered, usually at no cost to you, but the provider that you use, the provider that you will choose, will let you know if you have a copay or not. It is always physician ordered. You cannot receive home health services unless ordered by your physician, a specialist, hospitalist, or someone on staff at the rehab community you're going to be discharged from. Medical home health is available to those that have or are considered homebound. It is not someone who is unable to drive 
or it is not someone who does not have transportation. Homebound status is a patient that is unable to leave their home without a taxing difficulty due to their present condition or current level of function. Medical home health is for a short duration. There is a cap on the number of hours per week that a nurse, a therapist, a bath aide, or a social worker can spend with you. And you will be discharged from medical home health when it is determined that you can resume your outpatient appointments or your home health team and physician makes the determination based on Medicare guidelines that it is time to discharge you from services. There are some situations where you're going to need medical home health. It could be a new diagnosis and you need education. You could have been prescribed a new medication regimen and your physician wants monitoring while you start these medications. It could be because you have had a recent fall, a hospitalization, or rehab stay. Another reason you might need medical home health is because you are experiencing a change in mental status and we need more information Your medical team needs more information in order to be able to help you. And a social worker might be called in in order to help you with additional resources that will help you to be successful at home. You heard me mention supportive living. It was a service that we offered only in senior independent living communities and was usually offered in monthly packages or as an a la carte service. You actually paid out of pocket for the services you needed to be successful at the community and to be able to stay in that independent living community. These services could help you with dressing or grooming, bathing, toileting, medication set up and reminders, as well as escorts to meals and activities so you got there safely and back without falling. I mentioned non-medical home care to you, and it is very different from medical home health. So here are some of the reasons, some of the characteristics of non-medical home care. First of all, and most importantly, it is not covered by Medicare. You do not need a physician in order to uh, get these services. They are private pay services. That means you're going to be paying out-of-pocket for these services, and they are usually offered on an hourly basis. The care is provided by a caregiver, not a nurse, not a physical therapist or occupational therapist. And you definitely might find times in your life where you're going to need these services. It might be as your health care needs change, and they will help you to be able to age in place and live as independently as possible at home. You could engage these services after a hospital or rehab stay. These services could be for a short duration or ongoing. These services can also be used in coordination with medical, home care, or hospice care. I should ask you if you remember what kinds of services are offered by non-medical care companies. But just in case you haven't learned yet, I'm going to repeat those services for you right now. Non-medical care companies help with clients with dressing and grooming, 
toileting, and bathing. They are also able to help with mobility and transfer assistance with dementia care clients. They are able to help with cueing, redirection, and safety oversight. Medication reminders are usually part of the service line, plus meal preparation, laundry, light housekeeping, transportation, and respite care. Every time you go to your physician, the hospital, or you incur a rehab stay, or even if you're going to outpatient therapy, you are being assessed by a medical professional. They will assess you based on diagnostic tests, lab tests, and your ability to function in their environment. And I emphasize their environment because it is different when you are at home and in your own environment. The electronic medical record, or EMR, helps a patient to be able to see the results of their diagnostic tests. But if you need more information about your assessments, you can ask because you're the patient. So it's a good question to ask. But you can also request medical records from your doctor, hospital, or rehab stay. Please bear in mind that your doctor may not have any idea that your loved one has had a rehab stay or hospitalization. So it's always good to bring that information with you and then to give them an update on how things are currently. So in a typical conversation where a husband and wife are now in a doctor's visit with um, after a rehab stay or hospital stay, the wife uh, begins to share that she has noticed that her husband is a little weaker. In fact, she has begun helping him in his shower with his shower because he is having more difficulty doing it on his own. Another uh, thing that she might mention is that while her husband's sharp as a tack and used to be able to remember to take his medications on his own, she has walked by his pillbox several times and noticed that his medications are still in the pillbox. She goes on to explain that um, living at home has become more of a challenge due to his present physical condition. The doctor appropriately offers that maybe now is the time to think about assisted living. Our minds, when we hear those terms, usually give us a mental picture of a large community called assisted living within our own communities. But today, I want you to reimagine assisted living at home because we're going to be talking about aging in place. Aging in place is the ability to remain safe, healthy, and independent in the comfort of home rather than moving to a higher level of care such as assisted living, residential care communities, or long-term care communities. The doctor was right. Perhaps it is time to consider assisted living, but how about considering assisted living in your own home? What is that going to look like? You may choose to stay in your current home or some real estate 
uh, agents are saying that they help their clients find a right-sized home as they age. You may choose to rent a senior living apartment or move into a senior living community with a friend or relative. Wherever you call home, you can make plans and choices to age in place successfully. One of the key words that I just used is planning because there is a lot to consider when you think about the option to age in place at home. One of the first options we want to consider is, do you feel safe? Are you afraid of your neighborhood? Is your home secure? Can you move around inside your home safely or do you need to make modifications? Can you enter and exit your home safely? You know, that's something that people just forget about. What the entrance or the exit to their home looks like. I have met with many potential clients in my career uh, in healthcare marketing. And we usually ask, how do you get into your house? And what's the easiest way to get out of the house? And they will offer that, well, they have two steps coming out the front door, but they have three or four steps coming in from the garage. And we ask, have you been working with your therapy team on steps into your home so that you are ready to perform that task when you arrive back home? And their wide eyes and lack of an answer tells me everything we need to know. Being able to enter and exit your home is very, very important in case of an emergency. So it is part of the planning process when we talk about aging in place. Do you feel successful at home? Are you still able to manage your ADLs? Don't panic. I said that word again. I'm going to explain what that actually means now. So please keep listening. ADLs are activities of daily living, and these are basic self-care tasks that people need to do every day to keep themselves safe, healthy, clean, and feeling good. These are dressing, grooming, showering, toileting, eating, being able to get in and out of bed, and being able to get in and out of your chair. In my experience, many seniors, regardless of age, will have difficulty at some point managing these tasks. For many, it will be after a health crisis. And for many, they are going to be able to improve to prior functioning. However, it is usually when a senior starts to decline that living at home safely and independently comes into question. Are you still independent with your IADLs? There's that word again. IADLs are instrumental activities of daily living. And they are self-care tasks we have learned in our lifetime and require complex thinking and organizational skills such as managing our finances, transportation to social outings or appointments. Can you still shop 
and prepare meals? What about housekeeping or doing the laundry and other home maintenance tasks? Communication skills are vitally important if we're going to remain at home safely and independently. So can you still use the phone? What about the mail? And then, of course, I have to add the internet and email and everything else that comes with that. But being able to communicate what you need and being able to direct your care will help you to understand if you are truly independently living at home. Also including, included in the IADLs, Instrumental Activities of Daily Living, is taking medications as prescribed. So we talked about planning, and we talked about safety, and we talked about being independent. But I have learned in my career, in talking with many, many people, it seems like there are two groups of people. The seniors that want to age in place and realize that they will need to add support services as they age, and the folks that say, I'm never leaving my home. You're going to have to carry me out feet first. The second group is usually the group that is in a stage of decline but thinks they are living successfully and no words will change their minds. In many cases, unfortunately, these are the folks that will get fewer choices. Don't worry, we will talk about the rights of seniors, self-determination, and how cognitive decline can impair the decision-making process in future episodes. If you ask a senior if they want to move to a higher level of care, such as an assisted living, a residential care community, or a long-term care community, they're going to say no. If you ask me if I want to move to a higher level of care, I'm going to say no too. And I'm going to say, can I try it at home first? Did you know that not only is moving to a higher level of care not a popular choice, we have found in our industry that less than 20% of the senior population will actually move to a higher level of care in their lifetime. Because of the pandemic, the aging in place concept is even now a more affordable and doable choice. One of the reasons is our ability to order anything we need right to our home. Doesn't matter if it's salsa, doesn't matter if it's a meal, doesn't matter if it's medical equipment or books or groceries. We can get pretty much everything we need delivered to our home. And because of the internet, we can socially engage with so many people across games, um, social events, um, and all kinds of platforms, social media. Also because of the pandemic, we see that most senior communities are still struggling to hire enough staff to provide adequate care for residents. And so this is another reason why aging in place is going to probably stay a popular choice. 
As promised, I am going to give a caregiver tip at the end of every podcast. Here's my caregiver tip for today. AARP reports that one in five people are caregivers, and they perform roughly $470 billion in unpaid labor. That number will only increase. So if you're a caregiver, if you're in that number of one to five, I say thank you. And thank you is too small a word for all you do. Please subscribe and share episodes with friends and family who are currently in crisis or are ready to start developing their own roadmap for aging in place. Remember that this podcast is guidance and not advice. If you have more specific questions related to your particular situation, please reach out to me at lynda.agingstrategies at gmail. Dot com. Join me again next week and we'll learn more. <laughs>